What's up, Jay Brones? Live from Brooklyn, New York, and Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada, this is the Torture Rack Podcast. I am your host, Mark Bass. My co-host is John F. Malta, and we are very happy to be here with you, our friends in wrestling. John, say something. Let the people know you're alive, pal. I got a Montreal bagel pumping through my system, some Thunderkiss <laughs> coffee going, and I'm feeling good, brother. How you doing? I, I'm just imagining a Montreal bagel like making its way through your just different parts of your system it shouldn't be in. Like the little like cartoon character running through my yeah. blood vessels? Yeah, just like going through your arms and stuff. I'm like, where the <laughs> fuck are we? We shouldn't be here. We're a bagel. Um, yeah, I'm doing good. I don't have a Montreal bagel in me, but I got a smoothie and I'm rocking some Montpelli as per use. Oh, hell yeah. At the top of the show, I just wanted to do a quick uh, shipping update. If you've placed an order up through Thursday, August 6th, your order will be shipped at the time of you hearing this. I went to the post office this morning uh, and dropped off a ton of packages. So thank you all for your orders. Really appreciate it. Uh, if you're still waiting on orders, I a few of the international orders, uh, I had to break off into two packages. So if you're someone... It's listening uh, that ordered like multiple things like posters, hats, magazines, all of those things came in different packages to keep them safe in travels. So uh, thanks again, everybody for your orders. And, uh, and if patience. you ordered after August 6th, your orders uh, will be taken <laughs> into a helicopter and scattered uh, <laughs> in the Atlantic ocean. So not only will you not be getting it, but it's very environmentally unfriendly. So um, please don't order from now on. Is that that's right, right, John? You don't yeah, want no more yes, orders, right? Sure, I guess. <laughs> Close it down the shop. Just kidding. <laughs> Conversely, Please. go to torturerack.com slash store to pick up a magazine, a poster, or a t shirt. John, it's like there's good cop, bad cop, and you can't do too much of a hard sell. Like both of us can't be like, Yeah, go to the shop. Like you're like, hey, go to the shop. You're reasonable, right? And I'm the heel. I'm like, don't go to the shop. Ugh. Light everything on fire. Yeah, you're Yeah, light you're everything on fire. The, the shop is terrible. Yeah, so it's there's a good balance there, I think. Um, it's pretty solid, yeah. What do you what have you been up to this week, Johnny? Dude, this week I started making uh, YouTube playlists. Like earlier this week, I started I started making sort of like a very very long YouTube playlist because I've been watching. We watch a lot of wrestling. When I'm not watching wrestling, that I, goes without saying. Yes, and uh, when we are not watching wrestling, or when I'm not watching wrestling, I watch a lot of old skate videos. I watch a lot of. We both watch a lot of old movies. And uh, I watch a lot of like old random cartoons and stuff too. And I've been, I was thinking like, I was talking to Siobhan and I was like, I wish that there was some way to have like a 10 hour playlist of all of the things that I just mentioned, like great wrestling matches, sick cartoons, skate videos, and like live concerts, et cetera. Cause it's, it's you, when I'm not watching wrestling or I don't have new wrestling to watch, that's usually, I just have like random YouTube stuff on. So Siobhan suggested that I just make like a long, like crazy YouTube playlist. And uh, so I did. And for those of you that want to check it out, if you search on YouTube, Haunted Francis Omakasa Onslaught, you'll get both the first uh, two volumes will pop up. Uh, And on this playlist are a few very sick matches. Uh, One of the the match that I wanted to point out that I feel like Mark you would love is Masato Tanaka versus Hayabusa in FMW. That sounds sick, and I'm very psyched to watch this playlist. I just I only have one question for you. Sure. What? Why is this? Why are you not putting this playlist on the Torture Act YouTube? You don't think we could use the content? (laughs) 
oh right you could give me the lot you mean i could i i should because yeah. people are finding a lot of people have found this and viewed it already um somehow but uh yeah, we could do that for sure. Um, and hey, can we do a crossover? Maybe like a John Torturect crossover? I don't know. Yeah, part yeah. of the team. John. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. We should put it on the Torturect uh, YouTube. And um, it's funny because a little here... bit of housekeeping work of the podcast here. Yeah, we it's can... a little bit of behind the scenes of how the sausage gets made. So I guess you could still search that and it'll come up on one or the other. I'm not sure about, <laughs> I might, I've made this like meticulous playlist where you're supposed to watch everything in order. Cause it all flows into each other. Spent a lot of time on it, but uh, it's like, I'm feeling very like I'm still in self quarantine. And one of my favorite uh, movie theaters in Brooklyn is Nighthawk. And when Nighthawk screens yes. new movies, they play a playlist before every movie that's themed to the movie. So like fantastic. before mid nineties, they played like a lot of cool old skate footage and then like wow. random Jonah Hill clips and then other things that are sort of ta- like Super Nintendo bits, like stuff tangentially related to the movie in this like really, it's one of my favorite things about going to that movie theater. I'm going to tell you what's so cool about that other than everything that you just said, which is that most movies you go to and like at Cineplex and stuff, um, they're basically like they're daring you not to kill yourself as you watch like, <laughs> like Jeremy, the tech guy be like, Oh, check out these new phones. You can buy at like circuit city or something. Oh, right. Like, yes. Yeah. Like an, a- an AMC would have like yeah. the worst, just the absolute most soulless reels and just like weird commercials where like snowmen like fall in love with little kids. And then they put them in the freezer as like an inhuman act of <laughs> cowardice. And stuff. It's terrible. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's fantastic. I can't wait to watch it myself. So, yeah. And I'm, I basically made my own version of that. Like, I guess like in terms of like, if I were to make a YouTube playlist, that's sort of the funneled inspiration of my artwork. Cause I find visual videos, very inspiring, maybe even more so than visual art in terms of my own artistic practice. That's what this YouTube playlist is. And I'm going to make at least one a month from now on. I've set it at like a hundred videos uh please please do it i will give you the login to the torture act please i'll I'll add i'll add it to the torture act um but yeah here's why because you did also an amazing illustration of uh, nick cage versus big bird from the last episode uh oh yeah that's it's we hadn't mentioned about we didn't talk about uh talking about that uh but yeah uh, we haven't talked about (laughs) talking about 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 that that. we (laughs) haven't we we (laughs) we did we yeah I animated for those of you that listen to volume 10, we talked about a hypothetical face face off between big bird and Nick gauge that is animated on the torture act YouTube and on both my Instagram and the torture act Instagram. It's a lot of fun to do. Got more animations incoming and sort of circling back to the playlist. One of the, uh, uh, aside from uh, some of the wrestling matches that I included, like Ultimo Dragon versus Juice and Thunder Liger, and for those of you listening, I implore you to go back and go through the playlist if you don't want to watch everything. Masada Tanaka versus Hayabusa, 30-minute match, beautifully quiet match at the start. For those of you listening that maybe aren't as familiar with the history of Japanese wrestling, one thing you and I have talked about a couple times is just the differences between Western crowds and uh like the japanese crowd specifically uh and this match is a good example of just the reverence that uh the crowds have for what's going on in the ring and it's a really cool match uh through and through from start to finish uh it's slow builds very silent almost like a golf match at the start then by the end 
it's like it reaches the heights of like Okada and Naito at the Tokyo Dome in the beginning of this year. So it's a really cool example of like uh, crowd work and how like crowds sort of really add to the atmosphere of a match. Uh, secondarily, one of the other matches on that I included was a uh, was one that you would love, Mark. That I don't know if you have seen Owen Hart versus Bam Bam Bigelow, April seventeenth, nineteen ninety three. No, it's... and I absolutely, especially since watching more, I've watched a couple of Owen Hart things. Obviously, the Dark Side of the Ring documentary, but also mm-hmm. just there was just a documentary that was made about Owen Hart, possibly by the same people who did Wrestling with Shadows. Oh, yes. Right. I, I don't know if that's actually true, but I, I watched it and it was very good. And just thinking about Owen Hart as someone who is like very much ahead of his time as kind of a that mix of like a high flying technical wrestler. Yeah, He laid the groundwork for a lot of what we're familiar with now in terms of just sort of the standard AEW NJPW style. Yeah. And I didn't really think about that until until I saw it. So yeah, that was, uh, I am very interested in watching more of his matches. And so lastly, fantastic. one of the things, the other wrestling tangential things that I included, did you ever watch space ghost coast to coast? No, I've never seen that, but I know what it is. Okay. Yeah. So I was, I was watching, uh, they recently added every single season onto HBO max. And this is what made me feel like I w- wish that I could be watching five episodes of Space Ghost and then an old FMW match and then a skate video and what has led to this playlist. Uh, but Space Ghost had some insane uh, wrestling guests, I think, because... Uh, really? Yeah, and I didn't realize that uh, at the time. But yeah, like Hulk Hogan and Macho Man are both guests and Macho Man is a recurring <laughs> guest. But Ho- Hogan is incredible, like un- unbelievable. Like I feel like a lot of his, I guess he's done a lot of outside of the WWF, WCW, outside the wrestling world work. But uh, it, with Space Ghost, he Space Ghost is a cartoon from the 1960s that interviews celebrities. For those of you that maybe listen that don't know who Space Ghost is, it was like a surreal talk show. It was the original full length Adult Swim show, like the first ever. And was it? Yeah, yeah. It was the first. Was it? <laughs> but like the Hogan interview. What's full length? What's full length? Is that 11 or 20? Sorry. Well, now the standard for Adult Swim is 11, but I think for Cartoon Network, it's 21. And at the time, it is what basically led to the incarnation of Adult Swim. Because uh, at the time, Adult Swim didn't exist. Cartoon Network produced it and then moved it over to the what became what we all know now as Adult Swim. Um, That's so funny. I forgot about when Adult Swim wasn't a thing. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, well, we probably don't remember mostly because like Space Ghost started early 90s, which I didn't realize is like 1994 was when it when it first aired. And after the first couple seasons, I believe, is when it was moved to the Adult Swim block, which would have been like around like I think 96, probably around the same time as Liquid Television on MTV. And uh, yeah, it's just cool to see like the end of Hogan's interview, Hogan and Space Ghost argue about ted turner for a long time <laughs> and then get into a flexing contest where they flex and flex and flex so hard that it breaks the fabric of reality and hogan's head and space ghost's head explode and they switch heads so then it's a hogan head on a cartoon space ghost body flexing and making like a weird noise and then a space ghost head on hogan's body flexing and making a weird noise uh, it's absolutely wow. insane. And then 
what what's cool about that is that I, I feel like Hogan, while he has obviously done stuff, doesn't he doesn't feel like someone who has like a sense of humor like about himself enough to do something like that or to do something surreal and weird. Whereas Macho, you could kind of see him. Right. Macho Man, you expect the following out of. <laughs> Shut up, Blip, or I'll slam your head so far down between your shoulder blades, you'll have to open that vest to bait your own anguish as I hold a mirror up to your midsection. Yeah! So that was Macho Man playing Space Ghost's grandpa, and it's just Space Ghost with a beard. It seems like Macho probably just like walks around his house saying that to his cat. <laughs> I mean, he's dead now, but when he was alive, right. he would have yes. done that. I'm so sure yeah, he seemed totally that. game for yeah. that. And he plays Space Ghost's grandpa, who is just Space Ghost with like a fake beard. And he is like another character. Like they appear together in the same scenes and stuff. But it had me thinking, like, can you think of any other maybe notable wrestling appearances outside of wrestling outside of the world of wrestling where there was this, an intersection of pop culture and wrestling in a way that maybe produced great things or maybe didn't produce great things because there's a lot of them we talked about mcgruber a while ago yeah i forgot about mcgruber um here's something that i always remember i haven't seen a lot of vader matches other than the ones that kind of you've shown me and i've wanted to watch more and when i think of vader i think of him not in wwf i think of him in wcw but specifically, when I think of Vader, I think of him as Sean Matthews's father on Boy Meets World. Dude, totally. And yeah. That And I don't know if it would still be great, but I kind of want to go back and watch that because I thought that was just so awesome. And the way they incorporated wrestling into that show, like as a kid, like I was so into. Same. Yeah. As someone that both loved Boy Meets World and professional wrestling that convergence that's maybe one of the best examples of it being done in a way that i don't know yeah it felt like i've watched it back as an adult it feels like a guest appearance but it feels like it's a part of the show versus it's it's sean's dad right yeah yeah he's like layered into the show in such a great way so cool and it's like yeah to have that and it's he but he's still himself like he still is like vader right and you see yes. him with and without the mask, and it mm-hmm. kind of makes him like a more of a complicated kind of character because he's such a monster in the ring, but he's like a very loving dad. But also yeah, it seems like such a sweet guy around. in real life. But he's not around, right? Because he's touring wrestling a lot. Um, it's a great reason, yeah, for him to not be around. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'd be interested to. We should look up after this episode. We should look oh, up more man. like how that happened, like how that came to be. Because I don't know. So I'm, I'm, t- I, I. For a couple of years, I've been trying to put together this like RPG game in my head, like a 16-bit style, like Earthbound meets Chrono Trigger kind of thing. Um, that's about like childhood and like di- like going through different eras of like a-, a place. And in Earthbound, the father is always absent mm-hmm. to the point where like the 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 game is called Mother in Japan, right? And like yeah, the I actually didn't like, know that's why it was called Mother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the father's absent. Uh, he's like some sort of salesman or something. You don't actually know, but he'll send money occasionally. Um, but the the crux, the bedrock of the character is his, is his mother. And like at certain points, like in fights, like rather than being like, you know, your HP is down or like, 
oh your stats are down you're scared it'll just say like if you're john it'll be like john was lonely and missed his mother and like it brings your stats down and stuff and you have to like call your mother often to for that not to happen and stuff um but yeah, I just thought it would be cool that in this RPG, the reason... Because it's kind of a trope in JRPGs to have like an absent father. Um, so a good... Like in this RPG, the father could be gone because he is like a professional wrestler. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> that, that in my sick. RPG, yeah. that will yeah. probably never... I'm running a TV show, I have an RPG, and like all these things that have just been percolating in my head that I don't have the time to pour into uh their own glasses but uh you should write it as a theoretical idea and then i can do like snes box art for it for the next issue of torture act fuck man uh okay we're gonna do that just imagine Um, i think i feel like you could just write like a back like what would be on the back of the box if this was at like kb toys or something like if we picked it up and read it you could write that and then i'll make a snes well i used to be a copywriter so and kind of still am so yeah it'd be great I always was inspired because the guy who made, who wrote earthbound, um, whose name I cannot recall. He is like a copywriter in Japan, but he's like, he was apparently like a rock star copywriter, which doesn't exist in North America whatsoever. But he ended up writing earthbound and like mother, mother one, mother two and mother three. But, uh, when I found that out, I was a copywriter and kind of being like, maybe I won't be an artist. And then I read that and I was like, oh man, that's inspiring. So that's when I started to try to write an RPG that I've been writing for like a couple of years in just in my head that's and on this map that I have. And I, I talk about it all the time, but if you want to talk about maybe the greatest ever intersection of pop culture and, uh, wrestlers, you have to look to the 2020 film money plane, which I watched <laughs> in its entirety over two sittings over the last two days um and was truly truly a rewarding experience what is the premise of that movie because you told me you were watching it and i did not know what it was i knew i knew it was potentially like a goofy sort of movie like in terms of the premise of it like not goofy like a funny movie just like yeah can you explain it wwe superstar edge adam copeland beloved canadian handsome young man that my mother thinks is cute um (laughs) He plays some sort of, it's very, very poorly established, some sort of master criminal slash like cat burglar or whatever who has to uh, steal this painting from this gallery. By the way, the entire movie looks like it's shot inside a series of storage containers. (laughs) Like there's never establishing shots for anything. And when there are like sort of scene settings, when they're like going onto the plane, and it's like, you know, they have the area where you're walking to the plane. It's just all velvet curtains and just like low ceilings. And it just honestly looks like it was just shot during in quarantine in like Edge's garage. Or something. <laughs> but um, there was no planes. No planes were filmed during the filming of Money Plane for sure. Uh, anyway, he goes to steal the painting. It's not there. The man he was supposed to steal it for, Frazier's own Kelsey Grammer, playing a character named Darius grouch the third (laughs) aka the rumble who definitely only is in the movie because they let him shoot like in his own house for sure uh someone on letterbox he's just on zoom like you know he's might as well in the movie he's in the movie but he does but i actually does spend a lot of it on zoom that is (laughs) ed spends most of the running time in a cockpit on zoom with kelsey Grammer. is edge the lead star of this movie he's the lead star of this movie the wwe studios make this movie I don't know, 
<laughs> but it was directed by Andrew Lawrence, who's one of the three Lawrence brothers. And himself, oh, yeah. Matthew, and Joey Lawrence are all in the movie. Joey, okay, you made me, like, skip ahead, but... <laughs> Sorry. Dude, that... God damn you. Sorry. My, this my, plot my is bad. very important, John. He has to steal, and Darius is mad, and he's like, You didn't get my painting, so you'll have to rob the money plane. It's like the most safely guarded plane casino in the sky, and all these master criminals. It is just, like, the easiest plane to infiltrate ever. They just, like, get in immediately. They're just, like, uh, Edge is, like, gets his own person in as a stewardess and just gets onto the money plane in a very unconvincing, like, I'm a, I'm in a suit and uh, a man bun and I'm, like, a human trafficker kind of way. And there's just, like a, like, a rogues gallery of characters, including a literal cowboy played by Matthew Lawrence in just, like, a fake mustache. <laughs> nobody, nobody comments on, like how big it is all the stewardess costumes looks like they were purchased at like a halloween sex shop they're just like very ill-fitting and like cheaply made all the costumes are terrible uh joey lawrence has a um what appears to be like some sort of like feral animal like attached to the top of his head uh pretending to be like hair uh it is absolutely baffling it they just disappear for like hours on end on this money plane where they're betting on just like stupid things they're like game one is Texas oh Hold'em. right yeah it's a casino plane movie right <laughs> yeah. yeah so game one is texas hold'em and then it's just like the absolute worst like card scene you've ever seen in a movie like the <laughs> dealer doesn't know how to like deal to, like i even know how to deal texas hold'em the, and just doing it very slow and everyone looks like they're wearing like the first thing they could find in their co- in their closet to, like, so this was not produced movie. by wwe it was just this is just a movie that existed so. produced by the lawrence brothers apparently because it was directed by andrew lawrence i cannot yeah, yeah. This taylor and dodge three... entertainment dawn's yeah. light productions anyway they very easily robbed the plane how many stars are you giving it on letterboxd a half a star out of five wow it... i think that's the same rating i gave goonies yes it is but if you saw this movie you'd probably bump goonies up to a one star because you'd be like, okay, Richard Donner knows how to film a movie at least. Like this. Yeah, is but the this movie worst, sounds most... might, like it might be more entertaining from a funny. Oh, oh, oh! It is definitely more entertaining, but it's like you have to just be realistic about what you're watching. You know. True. Uh, it's like when I gave I gave Mortal Kombat Annihilation two stars out of five, but I also gave it a heart because I loved <laughs> watching it. But I was like, this is absolutely terrible. Like, there's no way around it. Um. Yeah. Speaking of WWE, I heard that they're repackaging Alistair Black. Do you do you know how? I don't that know. Is... I just know, like Vince is, gets bored with these characters and stuff, and I was like, "How do you fuck up Alistair Black?" I feel like, like he hasn't even really gotten got to like the point. Yeah, any sort of, of like heights, like with yeah. his. Well, he hasn't reached any notable heights with his character either. Has he even won a title yet? Uh, other than just like him and Ricochet. Yeah, I mean, like, on the main roster. No, no, no. He's barely been on. Like, he's had a couple matches, mostly squash matches, where he's been protected and, like, squashed people and stuff. Some <laughs> competitive matches on SmackDown. Uh, but he, really... Didn't he have, like, a good match with, like, Buddy Murphy or someone? I, I feel yeah, like I remember. and that's, like, that's, you know, that's the main event on an NXT show. Yes. Like, you have Buddy Murphy, the American Kenny Omega, and, <laughs> yeah, this guy who can go. 
Yeah, it's 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 wild. So look forward to some terrible Alistair Black gimmick in the future. I am not looking forward to that, and I am supremely bummed because Alistair is probably my favorite on WWE's roster. I mean, he was up until he got called up to the main roster and kind of disappeared. Uh, it's a bit of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I don't usually do this, but I mm-hmm. watched this quite popular YouTube video uh, that features some fantasy booking. Yeah. And it was just so good that I just wanted to get your impression on it because sure. usually when I see fantasy booking, I go like, okay, that's good, but I would change this. But I watched this whole thing. It was like 30 minutes long. I'm going to break it down for you a lot quicker than that, I promise. But I just, I thought it was absolute flawless booking. And it's what's fun about it is that it's something that absolutely will never happen, um, which is a invasion of AW and WWE. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, that's never going to happen. Absolutely never going to happen. But if it did, he, this sounds really great. So it was made by, um, this video was made by Polana Productions, which has like, they have like 275,000 followers or whatever. So they're apparently very popular. But um, it starts out with the premise of AEW and WWE sharing the same building um, on like a SummerSlam weekend doing press together. And um, Moxley's answering questions at StarCast and gets confronted by somebody who's like, what about all the brothers and sisters you left behind at WWE? And he's calling him uh, Dean Ambrose. And it's revealed to be Seth Rollins in the crowd the next night um seth interrupts the moxley versus mjf match causing mjf to win the title costs him the match next night at summerslam mox comes to summerslam the main event instead of just being randy orton versus uh, drew mcintyre it's randy orton versus drew mcintyre versus seth rollins mox comes in takes seth out of that match just causing it to just be basically a Drew and Randy match. Orton wins. AEW comes in, invades SummerSlam in a a huge brawl. The entire AEW roster is fighting like the entire WWE roster to end SummerSlam. So this is the Saturday and Sunday. Then in the first of two, again, there's like a weekend where there's two pay-per-views. It's full gear and Survivor Series. And it's a full AEW crossover. So, Full gear, the matches. DIY, Champa and Gargano come back together, forced by William Regal to like put aside their petty differences and fight for WWE versus FTR in a rematch of like the revival DIY from like Takeover, which was like one of the greatest tag matches of all time. Yeah, dude, that match was sick. Part of our first NXT Supercard. Yeah, man. FTR takes the takes the win being a more cohesive unit at the time. The next match, Jeff Hardy versus Darby Allen. Darby like obviously that. being influenced by Jeff Hardy. Um Jeff Hardy like they have an inc- incredible match they bring out the best in each other, but obviously uh Darby needs that win more. So Darby takes the victory. So you're at 2-0 for um AEW. Next match in a huge hoss off, Braun Strowman versus the murder hawk monster, Lance Archer. Here he has Braun Strowman taking the win, just as someone who needs more momentum. I, I kind of disagree with that decision, but I thought that would be a really cool match. Like Braun Strowman coming up. He's usually just like the, the monster who dominates people. Coming up against someone like Lance Archer, who Who's is also really good. huge, but also like really fat. Yeah, I think that could bring <laughs> out a great match. You you enjoyed the Braun Strowman match with Braun Strowman, um, Samoa Joe, 
Roman Reigns and um, Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, it's one of my I'm favorite feeling... WWE matches. Yeah, you know. So I know you're, you're not of high recent on Brock... of the modern era. Yeah, I know you're not high on Braun Strowman right now, but I think that could be a cool match. Um, Braun Strowman takes the victory. Next match, Sasha Banks versus Hikaru Shida. Oh yeah, I mean that match I've already kind of in my mind thought would be incredible if Sasha yeah. were to ever defect to AEW. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, he has he has them take uh, Sasha taking the the victory as kind of like the the elder states person, um, and then Brock Lesnar versus Brian Cage. Yeah, that would be sick. Monsters. Yeah, that's like I feel like calls to mind matches we definitely watched this week on GCW for sure. Yeah. And matches we've seen in recent memory of, uh, in uh, New Japan. If that match were actually like a competitive match, it would be great. Yeah. Uh, he has Braun, Brock Lesnar taking the win as just kind of like still the, uh, sort of a final boss that like eventually Cage could probably overcome. So you have uh, three wins to WWE to two wins to AW. The final match, Undisputed Era, uh, Undisputed Era and Kevin Owens versus the Inner Circle. Jericho... Santana Ortiz, Jake Hager, and Sammy Guevara. In this match, uh, I believe he has Adam Cole super kicking Kevin Owens at the end of the match to defect to AEW, where he will go, and costing Undisputed Era the victory. So Inner Circle gets the victory. Uh, these these two huge kind of like teams from each factions, thing. yeah, yeah. So three three as far as those matches go. The next night <clears throat> at Survivor Series, representing WWE, Finn Balor versus the Bastard Pack, aka Prince Devitt versus Adrian Neville. In what would be certainly a banger, uh, with uh, apparently Finn Balor taking the victory again. I, I I disagree with some of these victories, but I I love the matches. After that. The team high flyers of Rey Mysterio and Ricochet versus the Lucha Bros. You have no impressions on this. Personally, personally, I find it hard to get into fantasy booking in my, just because in my mind, it's like someone telling you their dream, which I absolutely hate. Like I cannot stand when someone tells me that they had a dream and then tell me, they tell me <laughs> Any length of it, I don't, I do not care. It didn't happen. Like people who keep dream journals, all that kind of stuff. If you want me to go hard on something, I will go hard on people who tell me about their dream, especially the only person that I will listen to one second of a dream about is Siobhan. And even then, if it goes longer than a couple minutes, I'm out and I'm not listening. I'm like, I don't know. I it's a it's a little bit, and, and I I do like this idea of an AEW and a WWE invasion in one building. Like I think that like in a crazy dream world that will never happen, it would be cool. Uh, I think it in my mind, uh, the match out of all of those so far that you've said that I think is the most interesting that I think would never happen but would be cool would be Pac versus Finn Balor. Uh, that would definitely, it would probably potentially break the Meltzer scale. Who do, do they have Omega facing anybody? Yeah. The main I, event I'm of night gonna, two. I, I am going to power, just power through the rest of this <laughs> because I've definitely reached that two minute mark of the dreams that you enjoy so much. But what I, what I like about it is that like you have wrestlers like Ricochet who are, 
absolutely buried right now. And it's like this dream situation where like every, everybody who's good is actually wrestling. It's like my, it's like my figures kind of. Yeah, totally. Okay. I'm just gonna power through this. Uh, the fiend versus Brody Lee, uh, in obviously like another swamp match where swamp match. <laughs> Bailey versus Britt Baker, DMD role model versus role model. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah. John Cena versus Matt Cardona. Uh, that's how they're going to use Cena. Seems, seems boring at first until Matt Cardona cuts like a absolutely scathing promo on Cena, just basically being like, you are the reason that I was buried on the WWE roster for 10 years. Like, I was ascending, you cut me down, and, like, you kept me down. Like, you pretend you're a good guy, but, like... Is that true? Did that actually happen? I mean, like, it's an interpretation of those events. Certainly, there's a lot of people who could make... I mean, yeah, I slept on that era of WWE, so, yeah. Well, okay, so there's there's Triple H, the the burial artist, but there's also John Cena, who buries, um... What's his face? Um, the Nexus. Like, the Nexus should have won a Survivor Series, and then John Cena, like, beat off two of them, including, um, Wade Barrett, and just basically killed... There's lots of uh, occasions where like wins should have happened that didn't like Rusev should have gone over John Cena at WrestleMania 31 when he was in the tank and stuff. That could have oh, right. Yeah. 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 Rusev, yeah. Uh, instead he lost and kind of like kept losing same with um, Bray Wyatt. Like every time they had a Bray Wyatt at the height, they never gave him that win. Uh, there's another one I'm going to be talking about in our classic match recommendation for you later on. Um, but yeah. Oh my God. He, I hope Dolph Ziggler is not involved. Using that kind of uh, realism in the stuff I really like. Okay, Survivor Series five-on-five five elimination match. The best of the best of each team, uh, of each brand. AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, Triple H, Drew McIntyre, and Randy Orton versus Kenny Omega, John Moxley, Cody Rhodes, Hangman Adam Page, and MJF. Well, I love the super group of AEW. That's a team. Yeah, yeah that would be very cool. Each of them have someone to, 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 to wrestle against. AJ fights Kenny, Seth fights John Moxley, Triple H fights Cody Rhodes, Drew McIntyre fights Hangman Adam Page, and Randy Orton fights MJF. Uh, WWE takes the victory. This leads to the final co-branded pay-per-view, Super Brawl. The first match, WWE Kevin Owens versus Adam Cole, who's now in AEW. Um, Kevin Owens has started to lead the Undisputed Era in an, an NXT at this point taking over for Adam Cole which I think would be a really cool like thing to revitalize Kevin Owens um you're just waiting for this to end, it's going to end. <laughs> I promise the, well I'm uh, just listening I'm just listening uh I don't it's well because it's like hard to have an opinion on someone else's dream like it's like this is a thing I, that's this not- is impeccably booked let me finish this <laughs> god damn it a battle for the best tag team in the world the Usos versus the Young Bucks Drew McIntyre, having been eliminated from the Survivor Series, fights Hangman Adam Page. Drew McIntyre is so pissed off. He's like, I work for everything. I give the most shits. I work harder. And, like, you don't give a fuck. Hangman takes the victory in that match, solidifying Hangman as, like, an absolute superstar. Um, The team of Sasha Banks, Bailey, Asuka, Charlotte Flair, and Alexa Bliss versus Big Swole, Britt Baker, Karushita, Nyla Rose, and Penelope Ford. Uh, there's a lot of obvious matchups here. Alexa Bliss versus Penelope Ford. Uh, again, Britt Baker versus Bailey. Sheeta versus Asuka. Uh, Nyla Rose versus Charlotte. Some great, great stuff there. Uh, AJ Styles versus Kenny Omega. 
You want to see that match. Don't <laughs> fucking tell me you don't. Seth Rollins versus John Moxley in a street Dude. fight. Oh, sorry. Go Rome, ahead. Roman Reigns versus Chris Jericho. Randy Orton versus MJF. And in the main event, Triple H versus Cody Rhodes. Uh, Cody Rhodes and MJF pick up the victory. Uh, AEW is the, is the new talent. They're here to stay. Of course, it would never happen because ultimately they'd be putting over AEW at the end. But, right. Um, yeah. So AEW comes out as the the victors of this yes, sprawl, very, sprawling super card. But only by one match. And it's like very competitive. Like Roman Reigns. It's mostly like the, the older generation putting over the new generation. Like MJF beats Randy Orton. Cody Rhodes beats Triple H. Roman Reigns beats Chris Jericho. Moxley beats Rollins. AJ beats Kenny. Well, actually, that's not the new generation. But yeah. Anyway. He's the phenomenal so one. So sorry I took up so much of your fucking precious time <laughs> with my with my dreams. Uh no, yeah, it's it's it, that is a very well thought out card of which I have a lot of problems with, but I think like it What are your sense. what are your main problems? I just th- I don't know, just in in the idea of like a super card, I think like I like if we're if you're getting into the weeds of this kind of thing, did you mention Ricochet also at all? Speaking of people underused, yeah, it was. Remember, it was. Yeah, this is right when you were like, "I hate dreams." Uh, Ray, Ray Mysterio and Ricochet versus the Lucha Bros. You uh, telling me you don't want to see that match? I don't really care that much about Ray Mysterio. So all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, who cares about Ray Mysterio? Just like <laughs> the 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 progenitor of like all of the like wrestling that you enjoy. I well, um, I mean, I like Rey Mysterio. I'm just saying, it's just that, like, at this point, because he wrestles so much in WWE, it's it's become less of an exciting thing for me. Like, I like that's I love the Rey whole Mysterio point is just 90s. to like use these things, these I, these uh, wrestlers, not as they're currently used, but as action figures in the supercard of the imagination. Didn't you? But, but oh, uh, you know, you must hate John <laughs> with the dreams. You must also hate the imagination. You must hate fucking. <laughs> creativity you must hate fucking carl sagan on a goddamn spaceship going through the fucking <laughs> the possible worlds you must hate that that must drive you crazy duh like that kind of stuff like the fourth dimension theoretical physics that kind of Man, fantasy i've been fucking around with lots of tes- tesseracts lately like visualizing <laughs> what, what, what a tesseract looks like there's like a vr app you can get where you can like physically manipulate a tesseract all right, AEW. Uh, <laughs> Didn't you start out this show by saying one of us has to be the heel and the other has to be the baby face? I was being the heel. Um, I didn't. I think that was from... You oh, I did. That, yeah. You said yeah, that at some point yeah. today when no, you were talking cool. about burning my books. John, it's great. Sometimes you're the heel <laughs> and you're crushing my dreams and sometimes I'm the heel and I'm burning your books. It's fine. AEW Dynamite, <laughs> August 5th, 2020. Started well, out with. Are you good with this? I'm good with this. I was, all right. Yeah. You need a bathroom break? No. All right. But uh, should we I'm talk the about heel now, motherfucker? Uh, we talk about what? The deadly draw and dark first. Oh sure. Uh, let's give me a give me some dark. Should notes. we do a clap? Sure. John, I'm dying for you to tell me about the show that I intentionally don't watch, AEW Dark. Tell me about it. Dark this week felt the most like its own TV show than it ever has. Like they were mixing up matches. There are really great matches that are being put on. And 
I, if anyone is doubtful about Dark, this week I feel like it was a good episode. This past week was a good episode. Uh, of, Recommend of, me two or three matches to watch from this. So I, I just right out of the gate, I would watch the first three matches of Dark. Uh, awesome. Yeah, it's overall is a good show. Like there are still some matches that happen where it's like, well, they're just on there to like fill time to give people some like space to wrestle, etc. But uh, the very first match, Scorpio Sky versus Will Hobbs, was very, very cool. Uh, I love Scorpio Sky, personally. Like, I can't wait to see him come up in, like, the TNT title division. And I feel like he uh, he could, would be a good second person to hold that title. Yeah, he's, like, I feel like he's a little bit held down by, by SCU. Yes, absolutely. And thinking about the singles matches Scorpio could have, like Scorpio versus Pentagon versus Eddie Kingston, Lance Archer, Darby Allin, Trent, I just think he has such a great style of like power and agility that totally. he meshes well with literally the entire roster. Like even like, yeah, like lesser or uh, like, I mean, he, he has here's been wrestling. I, like here's what I hate, John. We, every week on this podcast, we go, Oh, imagine Scorpio sky versus like Kenny Omega, Scorpio sky versus this and that. I just did that with you for like 10 minutes. And the only difference was that they were, from AEW and WWE, but what, and you, I guess, <laughs> and you gave me the stank face for like <laughs> five, ten minutes. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're gonna go hard on me this whole episode about it. That's funny. Um, <laughs> I just, I love you because I know I can do it, and you just will laugh. It's funny. Uh, well, but see, the thing about that though, the thing about talking about what you just said, we're gonna see the mat that match, Scorpio Sky versus Kenny Omega. It's going to happen. I I bet you a St. Hubert's meal that <laughs> You are the you are the guy who is like, what's the point of reading fiction books? <laughs> There's oh, so much real stuff happening in the it, world. It's not the same thing to me. I write fiction. So like know, it's I'm not the kidding. same thing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's so <laughs> funny. Yeah, it's like I don't like, I don't like counterculture, okay, John? I only like culture. <laughs> <laughs> like Kenny Omega versus Scorpio Sky, I bet you a meal at St. Hubert's that or I guess St. Hubert's in Toronto. Uh, I bet you a meal at St. Hubert's. There's a Swiss chalet right close to the new place I'm moving. Dude, that's so ex- I'm so excited for you to be moving to Toronto. Give you some goodwill. Uh, very, very psyched for that. I will. Toronto listeners, hit me up. Yeah, in the Mark Vasquez incoming. But like, in the difference is like with Scorpio. Theoretically, saying Scorpio Sky is going to win the TNT title, he drops it. Then after he drops the TNT title, Kenny Omega's back to being the best bout machine. Then they converge. That's just going to happen probably within the next year, two years for sure. I would like bet actual money that Scorpio Sky and Kenny Omega. All right, all right, Gato. <laughs> I bet I would bet actual money that they'll face each other, which is why, like, why I think that that kind of like fantasy booking. It's not necessarily fantasy booking. We're like predicting the future of what's going to happen with within a promotion versus within a promotion that's doing very logical things like New Japan, whereas like. It's like, what if Braun Strowman fought Lance Archer? John, I, don't know. I, uh, I want to hear you know the other two matches. I need about 10 seconds to grab a Montpellier. Please talk to me and talk to the audience in those 10 seconds about something I absolutely would not care about that happened on Dark. Something that Mark probably would not care about that I absolutely loved on Dark was that the Butcher and the Blade headlined the show. And it, they faced off against Private Party in a really sick match that got a lot of time and i really enjoyed 
you know, watching the two of them. They've become my favorite tag team on the AEW roster. It's funny, prior to uh, AEW forming, I was all in on the Elite, the Bucks, and I still am, but they've done such a good job of presenting all of these new people to us and building out these new stars like Butcher and the Blade, who I was not familiar with prior to their debut last November. I have to say, like, Butcher and the Blade, I was a little bit skeptical of. Like, we I wasn't were, sure yeah. how, how much they could really go. But you were really, you were hot into their, like, gimmick and everything. I was 50-50. I liked them when they looked like Droogs. I didn't like them when they looked like the National and, like, you know, serving oat lattes at, like, a Portland coffee shop and stuff. <laughs> but um, their matches with FTR, and again, like, FTR, Lucha Bros, Young Bucks, and Butchering the Blade all like ripping it up in several different combinations of those matches over the last uh, month has been like the best part of Dynamite. It's a highlight of Dynamite by far, yeah. for sure. And the Butcher and the Blade are like, they, they can run with FTR like very much like they're very similar kind of tag team, uh, back to basics, uh, brawlers who are like good at doing double t- double teams. And when you walked away, I talked about the fact that the headliner. I don't for want to this... hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> the headliner for this dark was uh, Butcher and Blade versus Private Party, and it was a sick match. Okay, yeah. The other two I'll matches, the match you have to go back and watch is Gun Club versus Serpentico and Aaron Solo, purely for the fact that they're really playing up the relationship of uh, Billy Gunn and his son. And his son Bart. Yeah, the Gun Club, and to the point that like his. Billy Gunn misses a famouser at the end of the match and then tags in his son who then yells out, I got this dad and throws down a famouser for the win. It's, it's really funny. Their friendship. I got this dad. (laughs) The father son relationship there is like so heartwarming and so funny. Uh, And I'm into it. I'm into it. We both have loved their contributions throughout the perennial in the crowd, cheering the baby faces, always the loudest, always the keenest. And Billy Gunn just seems so happy to be there. Like it's all, it's his, so funny. And his, his son Bart is also happy to be there. Is that actually his? What is his actual? You don't. I don't know his real name because you call, you call him Bart. I do, but I'm not going to tell you. Okay, I'll just accept it as Bart. Lastly, Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela faced off against my other, one of my other favorite tag teams, The Initiative, Brandon Cutler and the Librarian. And that match also it it went hard. It was really good. I think maybe they should just like build a little bit. I never thought I would say this in a hundred years, but build some backstage segments into dark, uh, chop off a few of the matches and just make it a, make it like a SmackDown to the raw of, of dynamite. Last thing I'll say of to that is last thing I'll say about dark too. It, uh, Scorpio cuts a really excellent promo and that was right at the start of the show, which is I think why I was feeling like, Oh, if you want to get a sample of what I think the direction dark is moving in the first like three, matches plus scorpio's promo really made it feel like the secondary wrestling show of the week it made it feel like what they want it to be which is like another wrestling show rather than just the dark matches it's it's wild that they're producing now at this point three shows monday tuesday wednesday because the deadly draw happened as well which i was skeptical about when they first announced it just in its uh i was optimistically skeptical about it in that it wasn't sure about breaking everyone off of the tag teams i kind of thought maybe singles competition between everybody would be better but i really loved the presentation and the matches of deadly draw and i'm surprised that some of those matches were not on dynamite yeah i was happy with pretty much all of it like the two matches the first one 
Penelope Ford and Mel versus the Nightmare Sisters. Um, I didn't think it was a great match. I thought it was fine. Um, I thought it was fine. But what a great, uh, it, like, showing for Mel. Uh, that's who's Mel someone was, that was, like, kind of relegated into the uh, Nightmare Collective and, yeah. you know, was, was not necessarily featured in a very great way to start, but... I, I love Mel's Dude, the power. I, I want to yeah. see her used more. She's she's great in the ring. Um, it's very sad to see her and Penelope Ford out of this... So soon. Tag team tournament so soon. I was very sad to see that, especially when it kind of seems transparently like this tournament is just designed to push the Nightmare Sisters, which I'm not necessarily on board with. But, um, you know, whatever. It's not always for me. Yeah. Um, the next match, Anna Jay with the Dark Order and Tay Conti versus Arian Andrews and Nyla Rose. This was a very good match. Um, Tay Conti is sick. Tay Conti, like... She was the standout from this night. Uh, I was fantasy booking her versus she dad all out. Uh, well, yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah, that's that's something that could potentially happen. If not at all out, I think it'll happen. Maybe, uh, maybe she can get almost to the finals. Maybe get to the finals and not win. And then that I was surprised that they got the win, won. right? Um, I was a little bit surprised, yeah, because Nyla Rose. But at the same time, it wasn't surprising to me that Nyla Rose is not necessarily the one they want to be pushing. Uh, in this mm. tournament, they're probably trying to feature some some new people. I guess that's true. So, like Nyla is an established threat, so she yeah. doesn't necessarily need the wins yeah. in a tag tournament. Tay Conti had a great showing, and I love Dark Order coming out with Anna J. I love Dark Order coming out and just being a spooky presence, like standing on the ramp, just staring during people's matches, just being intimidating. Um, yeah, Tay Conti's sick kicks, like making her a very like viable contender against someone like Nyla Rose who is like obviously dominates a lot of the competitors. Um, Nyla Rose spent a lot of the match down on the mat, like on the defensive, like just getting kicked in the face by Tay Conti. And getting um, her knee worked over. Yeah. There was a, uh, a botched Hurricane Rana from Arian Andrew. That was very I noticeable. That. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, it was pretty rough. I think it was on Anna J, but anyway, I thought it was a, a, a very good match. Um, I don't, here's what I don't understand. They call it the deadly draw. Right. They make this whole thing about like, oh, they're going to be drawing. And the production value on those segments is just the absolute shits. Like, <laughs> like Brandy. Like you mean like when they're drawing the colors? Yes. Brandy reaches in, gets a color and very like, doesn't even distract the person who's supposed to be, whose job it is to make sure this is a random draw. And then Allie just like looks in and just takes the color. I'm like, you made it. A, you made it a wild card draw, and then let them cheat to be together. The then, suspension of disbelief for that, I guess, is like a little harder. Yeah, because you like. And then every other segment was just like someone's like, okay, let's get this over with. Oh, I picked green, and they just have the other person who picked green just like slightly off camera. To just walk in and be like, oh, I guess we're together. I hadn't given that much thought while I was viewing it. I just, but that, that that was so shitty. Like, everything I, yeah. else was really cool and the matches were good. Like, so the presentation. Um, there's absolutely no reason that the Deadly Draw is not on Dynamite. Yeah, because the only women's match on Dynamite this week was Swole versus Riva, I think. Is that right? I, did that happen? It did, yes. It was a squash for... Okay, uh, yeah, just, just squash. Yeah, there was very little women's wrestling, and there's. I just don't understand why, to your point, what you had said before, that best friends versus P&P, that can happen next week. 
That's not like an essential angle that we need to move forward right now and just have like one or both of these matches in Dynamite. Like have the have the deadly draw on Dynamite. I don't understand. And just um, the multiple Dark Order matches too. Like I love Dark Order. Uh, and it's cool that they're like really presenting them as a oh, big dumb yes, threat. There's two Dark Order matches. You're absolutely right. Yeah, one of those could have... Like couldn't absolutely. Cordona have got, been given like a singles match and then bring one of those tag matches onto Dynamite? Like Mel's power is something people would be very behind and Penelope Ford... In that match, I really liked her intensity and just like Penelope Ford is just like a star. She's so good, yeah. And she's one of the one of the people there that really projects like a a star, like, like superstar. superstar, yeah, yeah, image, absolutely. Um, and doesn't mean that others are not going to get there. Sheeta projects that in the ring, absolutely. Um, now the Rose obviously is like a, a very large in life, like scary character. Uh, Britt Baker is showing like incredible, like community character work in her promo in character work in her promos big swole um, big swole is like i i really want to see more big swole like i think they need to develop big swole a little bit more um obvious and yeah i'm i'm 50 50 on statlander at the moment like i like her vibe but it kind of feels like there's not a lot of room for her to develop as a character um sometimes just boobing people's noses and stuff mm. that's my problem with things like abaddon where i'm just like okay where do you go from absolute top level <laughs> scary at all times well and that's it's, why i was limiting like i i loved mel's performance uh on the deadly draw just it, kind of the vibe or energy that i got was like kind of like a rhea ripley like very uh like yeah. intense strong doing big power moves but then like quick and agile like yeah, that it... that to me is like what should be being presented on dynamite because it's like well that person like you i think maybe texted the group and said or just me maybe and said mel versus Sheeta would be a really cool match and Absolutely. yeah that, that would be a wild match i feel like and i just and also maybe keep thinking i feel like that match the first one nightmare sisters versus uh penelope and mel that did exactly what i was hoping the deadly draw tournament would do which is like ali and brandy are doing their thing they're doing like a storyline character whatever and then penelope ford looked great because she always does and then it presented us with mel for one of the very first times i feel like where it's like wow who is that person and it's because we got oh, yeah. these like and limited limited views of what she could do she was like um banging brandy against the uh map with her hair and stuff yeah i love that because she was obviously was in the nightmare collective that was headed by brandy that we're not supposed to talk about and brandy will not talk about um it was so mentioned like, on commentary though yeah yeah i know i mean yeah. i know i know that that was said but yeah, yeah i thought it was interesting that it was brought up a quite a few times in commentary yeah um so yeah uh, dynamite this week started off with a banger i was very happy because last week's dynamite kind of started with like a damp squib a little bit as i recall oh maybe yeah it was two yes weeks ago. that was like but yeah elite and ftr versus dark order and cole cabana this was just awesome this I, I absolute loved onslaught of like people fl bodies flying everywhere loved it well, that it started with brody what is this a uh 16 man tag or uh, 12 man <laughs> what is this a 32 man tag How many people are in this match <laughs> you yeah. look like I, I know that this is a this is a not a visual format but you like squinting it's like you're trying to an old man trying to like read a newspaper or something like you don't understand Ooh, the elite then abr <laughs> who's abr <laughs> yeah i don't have my glasses on oh right 
You don't. Uh, yeah, Brody Lee started this match was sick and just... I don't know, man. Yeah, it was funny, like, them cutting away to the two Dark Order members standing next to Taz and Taz saying that they were freaking him out and they were just, like, kind of ominously standing next to him. And... This guy's kind of freaking me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was really cool. Um, yeah, just an excellent match. Like, I advise you to check it out. Best Friends versus Proud and Powerful was after that. I thought this was a, a really good match. Same, um, yeah. I'm, I'm not... Again, this story, I'm I'm not super invested in at this moment. Proud and Powerful basically destroyed um, Trent's mom's van at the end. That is a fucked up thing to do. Uh, no doubt. How dare they? But, yeah, I could have put the deadly draw in here. But a very solid Dynamite match. Uh, I don't have much more to Absolutely. Do yeah, it, I felt like from, uh, from start to finish, that match was sick. I mean, it's two of the top tag teams in the world going hard. And... It's so cool to see. Uh, yeah, I just think, in my mind, if there was going to be a match that was uh, removed, would be, I guess, was it the following match that it was Cardona? Maybe that was later on in the show. Cardona and so there's, Cody versus... There's uh, two segments after this, and then that match. There's, well, yeah, the, MJF, there's quite a few promos, yeah. And MJF going around the, the back of his election office just being an absolute rancid asshole. Um, man... AW are so lucky that they have this quality of heels and they don't have to worry, like deal with like hot topic, Seth Rollins. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, MJF completely killing it every week. His promo yeah. was great. There's a couple people on this show that when they get a microphone, just great things happen. Um, for Absolutely. Me it's Co Cody and MJF are the, are the number ones, but obviously putting, putting a mic on, uh, you know, Taz and also, Jake the Snake, and um, obviously John Moxley. Wow, yeah, we haven't well. seen Jake the Snake in a while. He was on the show for so for he was so featured. <laughs> I thought you were saying he was on this show. No, no, we like, well, I, we've seen we've seen him so frequently from like February through maybe June. And well, he, they're not trying to pop a rating like bringing Ric Flair on or anything. So um, hopefully, Jake can stay safe in these quarantines. True. Um, after that, Matthew Hardy. And Sammy Guevara had a Dude. ball. I really enjoy seeing Matt Hardy as himself. Yes. Um, he I felt, like that they pivoted to doing that. I don't know if like that was that the plan just, the whole time or what. No, but. I think he's just doing what he feels. And he's really feeling like maybe he's disconnected from himself a little bit. So he wants to kind of take that and be like, hey, I'm a person. Maybe he thought he, he was a little cartoony. Like he was feeling Siobhan's criticism. And just like, I got to <laughs> remind people that I am Matt Hardy. Uh, it ended up in a absolute chaotic brawl that was wicked despite the fact that uh sammy guevara fucked up and threw couldn't find the gimmicked chair he was supposed to throw so took a actual chair not just that but if you watch this back which i, have, I haven't watched it back yet he throws it so hard at matt hardy like there's no reason to it looks great but you know he threw it so hard well so and he matt thought hardy... it was pl was going to be plastic right no, he couldn't find the right one. I, but he threw. like he was thinking that it was going to yes. be plastic. Yeah, but even the plastic one, like probably, probably would have would have been a little cool. too hard. I don't know. I don't want to. I'm not trying to criticize anybody, but <laughs> Matt Hardy got 12 stitches. And dude, the egg on his the egg on Matt Hardy's head with like the cracked blood. It's and I know you think that um, Matt Hardy's just like kind of working on Twitter, but. There's no way he wasn't pissed off on the first couple of those. Tweets. Oh, 
holy shit. Yeah, I just rewatched the gif of it. He he threw it so hard. And then and he's Matt like Hardy... a foot. It's not like he's like across the ring. So there's like some time for it to like some hang time for it to maybe not hurt as much. Yeah, he's like right next to him. Yeah, he's like three feet away. The chair is open. He picks the chair up and throws the chair forward. Into his forehead. Oh, God. Do it's, you think it's, this it's is... actually brutal. And he calls him just like on his Twitter, he calls him like a reckless, arrogant, like little shit. And that's not necessarily a promo. No, but do you think that this is going to build to like a false count anywhere match at all out between the two of them? Yeah, oh, they'll use it. Absolutely. But apparently Sammy went through the ropes or sorry, went through the uh, the back curtain and got a very stern talking to from several people. So he is on thin ice these days, Mr. Sammy. <laughs> Um, Cody and Cardona, Cody and Zack Ryder versus, uh, the dark order configuration of Reynolds and silver. I like this match a little bit more than you did. I thought it was good. Um, but I do agree that, Oh yes. See in my mind right now, cause we're, we're talking about how the deadly draw should be featured on dynamite. So that's kind of a, in my mind, like why wasn't this featured? But then secondarily, like it's like, yeah, why do we need to see this Cardona and Cody match versus dark order is in my mind. And now thinking about it and remembering it. I didn't even like this match. Like, yeah, it was as a match. I thought it was, it was okay. I actually really liked Reynolds and silver in the match. They had some cool tag team moves and like, I'm really enjoying all the different configurations of the dark order, but yeah, two of them on dynamite, two dark order tag team matches on dynamite. Not necessary. Matt Cardona, hopefully eventually will be given some sort of promo. Like the one I just talked about with John Cena there, where he can kind of like reintroduce himself and coming out as Cody's friend. Um, absolutely hopefully it'll be cody versus cardona at all out that would be cool do you think that that's going to happen that that might be the i think they better figure out what they're going to do with matt cardona and give him a good match uh or else he's just going to be kind of i guess yeah what yeah because he what would he do otherwise like what would he do otherwise like if if that's not this happy to be there honestly maybe he's just happy to be there i don't know (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure it's because he's the only one from the mass WWE Exodus that was signed to w- to AEW, right? Yeah, from that yeah. big, the big. Oh, well, no, Brody was let go before. Or Brody Cody talks about it in a in a tweet where The Rock was in the ring at like Madison Square Garden, and the entire crowd was chanting for Zack Ryder, and just talking about how like he can get over again. I remember how monumental that win was the yeah. the ladder match win. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I was not watching WWE at the time, but I remember taking notice of that because it was such a big deal. So isn't he the one who hosts the Intercontinental special that I wrote the article about? It is Zack Ryder, right? Because he I'm won not, it once. I, I'm almost positive, And he such a funny choice to host the Intercontinental title special because he's won it once and never and again. Hold, held it for 24 hours, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he drops it to the Miz the next night. Yeah. Uh, anyway, not to get yeah, into that. Um, that... that I don't know. Yeah, I just that I remember just not being a big fan of that match just because of how much Cody, how much offense, how much defense Cody had to get in uh, against two cronies from Dark Order. Just felt a little. Yeah, you were really bothered by that. I thought it sort of made sense in the sense that they had established them as a good tag team that could work together. And Cody always does such a great job selling everybody. He like he's like sort of the Okada of. Uh, of the AW as far as like, he makes everybody looks great. But then at the end, he is going to take that match. That's uh, a good comparison. Good. Yeah, I guess. And I see what you're saying. Cause that's how AEW has kind of booked like tag teams to be important. So it's like, these guys have been 
grinding away on dark basically every single week. And yeah. if it was like Alex Silver versus Cody and he, Alex Silver was like dominating for the whole match, I would be right there with you being like, this is stupid. Yeah, it's I a tag team. Yeah. In the context, it sort of, it, it was fine. But at the same time, I don't like begrudge you for being, because I feel weird about stuff all the time. And I'm like, like I felt weird about the te- the randomly putting together women and calling them tag teams. Right. And having them in a tag team tournament. Like that felt weird to me. But uh, main event, John Moxley versus Darby Allen in a fucking awesome classic title defense yeah it's been it's been a minute like i i I will say like i like eddie kingston versus cody classic tnt title defense in my mind i think that this is maybe is this the first i guess john moxley versus Brody lee was a good match but this this yeah was just it felt like oh this is a match we're going to remember. It was really good uh, from oh, start Moxley to finish. Oh, Moxley versus Brody Lee was was an awesome. That was really good too. Like, DDT him through the the ramp and everything. That what was a, a title reign this has match. been. Yeah, yeah. When Moxley's wins it great. from Jericho, right? Defends yeah. against Brody Lee, and then has this sick match as well. Uh, when did he win it from Jericho? Was it all, was it all out? That was at Revolution. Revolution. Okay. Do you think John Moxley is going to drop the title to MJF at All Out? I don't know because, like, he—I feel like a heel can lose and it doesn't really devalue them. It can add to their character in different ways. Like, maybe he cheats and wins in a rematch or something. I don't know. Yeah, here's here's why I would argue that it would be a good time to do it. Uh, not necessarily that I want this to happen, but. They have talked about how they don't want to do any big Drew McIntyre moments on AW while there's no crowds. Mm. So kind of crown like big or like, you know, bring in CM Punk right. or whatever. Um, so this would be a good time to have MJF win because he's a heel and having a heel as the, as the title champion is kind of easier with no crowds maybe. Cause you don't have to go in there and be like, yeah, I'm the champion. Like everyone's, champion. you don't have just a celebration. Everyone's smug. just going to yeah. boo. Yeah. yeah. You just walk out there smug. and am like, I'm the champion. I'm better. Um, so that could be an interesting moment. And then when there are crowds, that could be a moment where they take the title off of MJF, put it onto someone like, you know, Kenny Omega or something. That's not a bad idea. I, and I think just from like a TV show, producing a TV show perspective, I think that MJF is like a little more versatile in the different things that he can do from that perspective than Moxley, who like, we want to see a sick promo from Moxley. We want to see him brawl. And I mean, I'd be up for seeing like other character stuff, but in my mind, I just think MJF seems like a little more like you could make a whole, you could give MJF dark and just tell him he needs to do something for two, like the two hours or hour. And I think he could fill that with like sketches and, matches and whatever whereas and you already have your babyface champion of cody as the literal tnt champion on television so it's like you have oh. someone who can walk around and be like the brand ambassador and stuff so you don't necessarily have to have a good guy as the top champ right now well i also like the idea of a clash of champions between mjf and cody man just imagine even if he means it wins it by nefarious means you know yeah. he gets an interference and stuff uh wins that and then him lording that over Cody. Just can you imagine that? Just being like, 
Oh, you're the TNT champion? Oh, nice title. Like, it's really beautiful. Totally looks finished and everything. This has got <laughs> platinum and diamonds! Like, I'm this title's better than yours, and you know it. I think that that's kind of the move, because he has the dynamite diamond ring or whatever that thing is called. If he has the world title, and then... <laughs> Mark just did a kiss sound. Uh, kiss the ring. Kiss in the ring. Um and then yeah the tnt title he takes that from cody as well and has everything i don't know that's like how to build a monster heel and then that then what do you do but unleash the best bout machine to take down the first truly monstrous heel in AEW? yeah darby v moxley absolutely incredible match i love that they really are letting everyone kind of do their thing like darby comes out with the xerox face of mox as like a mask <laughs> Yeah. I love that he's been doing that with his promos and with different matches. He's found like different ways to sort of force Mox to confront his own image. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, I, their like size difference was really cool. Just like how small and like ragdolly Darby is and how jacked Moxley is. It really made Moxley look like a, the beast that he is. And the entire time, I'm not sure about you, but the whole time, that this match was happening, I was thinking that I cannot wait for wave two of the AEW figures <laughs> so I could have this match myself in my federation. Absolutely. Yeah, I this is this is the idea of kind of like a dream match that can't quite headline a pay-per-view yet. Yes. That's a good way to make it, it yeah. which makes it the perfect match to headline a dynamite episode. It's like just absolutely great TV. Like you said, there's a big size difference. Uh, you know Moxley's going to win, but it's great to see how Darby uses his speed and his, like, uh, you know, high-flying sort of moves to counter Mox's more just kind of brawling style. And I loved, absolutely loved the ending of just Mox choking out Darby and, yeah, just kind of cradling him in his arms for a little bit after Yeah, the like, that, that was a very iconic... Uh visual moxley with the sleeper hold did mox have blood on his head moxley was bleeding i think yeah and darby yeah in the sleeper hold one other thing i absolutely loved too was taz getting so into this match and so into darby's performance that he started complimenting him and what he was doing but then kind of like remembered like oh i'm like a heel like i hate both of these people they're like against my guys so he kind of like backpedaled a little bit, but then was like would then get lost in the match again and get so hyped up on Darby and Mox and like what they're well, doing. Well, he tried to recruit them into the the path of Cage, right? Brian yeah. Cage and uh, Ricky Starks. It's like out of nowhere, he's like, "Oh yeah, I hate these guys." Like, it would be kind of cool to see Darby turn heel. Yeah, yeah. Do you enjoying them or just to be to turn heel and be? A, yeah, he uh, could turn heel and, and and join them. That's the only reason I said it. I thought about that. Um, Darby's such a cool character and yeah, obviously he would be a huge baby face again, but it'd be cool in this kind of era of there being no crowds to cheer him to like him to become a heel and maybe use like shittier tactics and stuff. Get, get more fucked up than we're used to for him. Yeah, that would be cool. I don't know. I'm just, uh, using my imagination. Something. Thinking that that's like, yeah. <laughs> Something you know nothing about, Sean. The whole episode is just going to be fantasy booking now because I was just going to say, like how that they're kind of they've paired up the like lone wolves of 
Mox and Darby to be a tag team against Cajun Starks. And similarly, as you were yeah. saying that, it's like imagine like a lone wolf tag team of Eddie Kingston and Darby Allen. Oh, whoa. I can't wait to see. Absolute destruction. The two of them together. Wait. Eddie Dude, Kingston K- is going to really round out the heels on AW, I think. Yeah. You have yeah, your, huge, so like your huge crazy monsters like Cage and Archer. You have your just like arrogant Ric Flair heel and MJF. And then you have someone who's a little bit more like down in the dirt, you know, more, more down to earth who kind of see like, you know, and he looks at MJF and he's like with the fucking Burberry scarf. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Totally. Yeah. Yes. Totally. More of an underdog heel. That's Dude. an interesting character. Yeah. It's, it's completely different from pretty much every heel, like, every heel that is in existence currently across all of the things that we're watching. Uh, One thing that we watched this week that I did not plan on watching, but you hit me up and we're like, dude, you want to watch talking shop a mania? Yeah. And we watched it and I I hadn't seen any advertisements for it or anything. Same. I I heard that it was very like amusing to watch like as a thing to get drunk and watch. But um, maybe like you, I didn't necessarily know if I had the same humor as Gallows and Anderson. Um, Absolutely. Just one day, I just was thinking about it one day this week. And I just thought it's kind of hilarious, like in this era to like do like the worst pay-per-view ever. And especially since we're watching things like GCW that are a little bit more homemade DIY kind of feeling backyard vibes. I thought, you know what? This might actually just be like a perfect fun 90 minute thing to watch. Um, And turns out. It was. It was really, really funny. Uh, turns out I do have a similar sense of humor as <laughs> Not in every moment. Not in every moment, but they had a social distancing battle royal where everyone was wearing masks. This huge guy named Freight Train was just gently throwing people over the ring. They just kept coming into his arms and he would just gently throw them out of the ring and just these like hilarious... Well, Gall- Gallows and Anderson know enough people to get someone like D'Lo Brown to come in and do his yeah. like taunt and throw down during like have, that. You have a mix of like people you're not expecting to see who are these people they know with just like parody characters. <laughs> <laughs> a character named Stang who came yeah. out and looked like the low rent Sting. Yeah, that was that so was funny. funny. You have characters named like Sergeant Hammerlock. Uh, <laughs> Kozlov coming in and smoking while doing an enziguri to one of the guys uh and then is is chased off by his bearded mother who comes into the ring um oh my god dude the best <laughs> the best person on that whole show was the fake rick flair nate yes yeah oh my god and he comes out and <laughs> just like fat rick flair with just that like platinum hair and just giving a pretty subdued like woo. <laughs> Yeah. Like most people, when they do the woo, they really overdo it, but he was underdoing it, which Dude. somehow made it funnier. Just like, <laughs> and during his entrance, two things that keyed in on that it's like, okay, they, they're fucking hilarious. I know exactly hilarious. what you're going to say. One of them is Doc Gallows <laughs> saying, I wish I was in bed asleep. He's like, this is terrible. I wish I was in bed asleep. <laughs> and then the other. Being them keying in onto fake nature boy saying posta. Yeah, he's like, posta be people here. And they're like, did he just say posta? And then they just started doing it for the rest of the night, just saying posta. Like throughout the whole event, yeah. As they were drinking more beers and stuff, felt very much like GCW commentary, honestly. 
but yeah doc uh, like the good brothers on commentary uh was, was with really rocky funny. romero yeah and yeah just... with rocky romero yeah and at one point uh, during that match with rick flair he, he just starts running towards this lake oh it just keeps the, running yeah on the far end and um i can't remember which one oh yeah gallows is just like that lake isn't even on my property <laughs> <laughs> but yeah overall and, it, oh, oh ahead, sorry. sorry one more headlocks yeah. headlocks the guy and fake ninja boys just running around in a circle going yeah it's like it's weird so like the line of nonsense it's like the nonsense or it's not a, it's because it's like nonsense and it's good-hearted and it's funny there was like almost no wrestling on this show well, like, I don't know. I'm just clear. like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, so there are, there is a, a threshold for us where it's like, why are we watching this? I don't want to watch this anymore in the swamp, swamp match. Okay. But well, then okay. The pr- we're, in du- we're in WWE. Okay. Number one, that's super self-serious. And when they try to be fun, you have like Akira Tozawa and the ninjas fighting like the streets, profit Raiders or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just the mm-hmm. absolute most cringy comedy. Whereas True. this is just kind of like, let's just throw everything at the wall. We'll make fun of some of the stuff that we are doing. Like, this is bad. Like, it's not like <laughs> Shane McMahon hosting the Raw Underground or something. You know what I mean? Yes. It's just yeah. like, you know, Rhino's coming out. There's a, there's the 80s. Oh my God, yeah. Rhino Rhino goring someone. Yeah, like stuff like that. It's just like a weird... So we started talking about this, about me making like a sort of like YouTube playlist of all the things I watch. It's like they're like collaging together actual like things you want to see like what yes. if you could see rhino like oh goring someone by a lake dude that's such a great comparison and then at the same time you're seeing like what if we booked fake nature boy <laughs> in yeah. a match that was ongoing for the whole 90 minutes of the pay-per-view basically. oh that's right that's what was very good about this uh, pay-per-view they had a lot of stupid matches that obviously like would get tiresome after a while so what they did was they just intercut them throughout the entire night so you'd be watching one match and then they would just, yeah rick flair would just run off and then you'd be watching another match and then suddenly rick flair would be back uh it, it was just yeah that was perfectly it was very seamless it. yeah you they would see even, like the start of another match somewhere else on the property that then would they start joke and at continue. one point about a hardcore match that like they just talk about they're like although that's probably not that was really bad that's the worst thing i've ever seen that's probably not going to make the pay-per-view and <laughs> that was hilarious um they're 80s Russians versus the Jungle Kittens. This is the kind of stuff that you have here. Hawkins, yeah, not... ha- Hawkins Tonk Man. <laughs> the Hawkins Tonk Man with Kurt Hawkins. Yeah. Yeah, and then the main event, like, it's just such a cool way the to... The main t- event was awesome. Take, take a shitty thing that happened to two people who were promised something by someone, and then that promise went away in a during a pandemic, for them to then take that and then make this sort of almost like opus to, like absolutely to to their them being fired by wwe even and looping last... in the young bucks at the end but yeah well, oh, that was awesome that yeah. was fucking that was so funny uh oh okay i'm sorry i will talk about this boneyard match but we cannot gloss over the best commentary in the entire show which is like you see the match a match but about to start and you see the referee who's there and the referee's like very unkempt and has like a um camouflage hat on and then they're like, <laughs> they're like the the referee literally asked me if he could go hunting in the woods <laughs> during a live pay-per-view and i had to be like no you can't go in the woods to hunt he's like don't worry i eat everything i hunt he's like yeah that was actually that's said not the problem 
No, you can't do that. <laughs> it's in the middle of a match. But yes, the Boneyard match, like, make, like, okay, because we didn't enjoy the Boneyard match, but I think if we went back now and watched it, we gave it, I think, a D at the time. But if we went back and if after having seen, like, the Swamp and also that Akira Tozawa stuff, I think we would be a little bit kinder to it. Mm-hmm. I think it would still be like a C or C plus or whatever. It would still be like, this is not our thing. More like an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. But there's things in it that are like kind of fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's kind of fun. But at the same time, it was it was dumb as fuck. So to make something that's even dumber than that, to to make fun of it, but not in like a we're above it kind of way, but in a like we're even, we'll be even stupider than it kind of way. And like, I don't know. It's it's so like, it's like good hearted. It's like exercising these demons, but in a funny way. Um, you had like LG hulking up at one point. That was really um, funny. Yeah, that was hilarious. Um, oh, he's beating like oh, uh, AJ's arm is sticking out of the dirt. That it looks like <laughs> a very lower version of the of the uh, boneyard match. The actual AJ's arm match, yeah. is like hang is hanging out of the uh, the dirt, and at one point, like Gallows is beating Anderson with it. He's like, "How do you like Uncle Alan's arm, dipshit?" <laughs> There is a Midnight Express merch table in the middle Rock of this Rock and Roll match. Express. Sorry, the Rock and Roll Express merch table in the middle of this match, which is hilarious. Um, then there's a flashback in the middle of the match where the Bucks meet with Gallows. And it's like, the joke is that Gallows and Anderson would have taken the job in AEW if WWE hadn't promised them more. But then WWE just buried them and then fired them in the first convenient time when obviously AEW wouldn't be able to hire them back. And rather than just like, I don't know. I did see, I think either Nick or Matt Jackson said that um, Gallows would step over $100 to pick up a dime. <laughs> implying that like he was really cheap. Yeah. Um, but I loved how much they had a sense of humor about that. And they like recreated the meeting right before WWE. Like they went to WWE of like them signing that AEW deal and then not taking it at the last minute because they get texted by like Hunter or something like that. Then they're going through the negotiations and, you know, one of them's like, yeah, but what if there's a worldwide pandemic? And he's like, there's not going to be a worldwide pandemic. It's fine. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a really great, it was a great way to end that pay-per-view. And, yeah, I'm glad that we watched it. It was funny. It just kind of hit us at the right time because both of us, I was at home drawing, and you are like, hey, you think you might want to watch yeah. this tonight? And It was like, we started at, like, almost midnight. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was it a perfect, like, late night collage of sketch comedy and wrestling yeah i would watch a second one i also watched uh, with you the gcw keep in touch pay-per-view it was the first one we watched songs thomas i would say out of all of them that we've watched over the summer it is the the least essential uh but still a very very enjoyable pay-per-view yeah i brought up the point while we were watching it that you and i because uh, we grade every match we watch together, very rarely grade a match below a B on a GCW show, like almost ever. And yeah. this isn't it, leading into us saying there were a bunch of bad matches. This is just saying no. that like, I, it's insane that how the match quality that happens in GCW is incredible. And yeah, I also... For a oh, thing that is like sometimes as silly as Talking Shopamania, they yes. have some... like all the wrestling matches are, are a very high quality and even their hardcore matches are just told in such a way that they build very, very nicely and are usually like very, very good. Yeah. Their ultra violent death matches are always built around like intense feuds or built around like the tournament of survival, kind of like there's reasons for them to happen. 
but it's yeah i, I it's it was fun because i feel like i have at the start of us doing this podcast and at the start of you and i and thomas watching gcw together we well thomas and i previously watched gcw separately and didn't sync up and watch it but the very first time we synced up and watched it the show took place at this plate that this indianapolis state park so yes. it feels very like comforting and Yes. Like night, like nice. Like you mentioned last episode, that you think you're going to be the most nostalgic for these times of watching the GCW shows together in this sort of like outdoor COVID era. And I definitely agree because I already feel that way with them bringing the show back to this place again. And I think I'll probably. And, and feel... this was the first one that I watched outside too. I was like, you were in your gazebo. Place. No, I was no. at my aunt's place, like outside, but basically, in, yeah, in the gazebo, and it was it was a nice. great time. I was editing, so I don't have any notes. But, um, Did you have a favorite match from that night? I need to just look over the card very quickly. I mean, a lot like of, a lot of it, B pluses for me here. It's wild. Like overall, it was cool. One notable thing that happened towards the start of it for the people who are listening, maybe don't watch GCW, but have followed AEW from the beginning is Kylie Ray made her GCW debut as MDK Kylie Ray and <laughs> murder death Kylie. Yeah. Uh, MDK all flipping day. Teaming up with. <laughs> I love that. Love her and Nick Gage as like a tag team. That like that basically they did the Sesame Street GCW thing right there because Kylie Ray is like basically like yeah wholesome Street. like yeah. nice yeah absolutely that's true. And that match was really good. Kylie Ray, uh, such a powerhouse, so good in ring and so cool to see her because uh, Impact is something that neither of us watch and that's where she's at right now. Uh, so it was very cool to see and. Obviously, Tankman versus KTB, the battle wow, of the yeah. horses, was really, really fun. Like, there's, I, everything sounds as good as it is. Like, Blake Christian versus Trey Lamar, like, just two great, two of the, the best GCW wrestlers right now. Uh, some really crazy tope moonsaults to face busters. Yeah, that match was nuts. That was one that I it's similarly, like, excited for just knowing those the, their performances over these last few GCW shows we've watched. It's like, there's no way that match isn't going to be good. Uh, I really enjoyed 44OH and Effie. Oh, sorry. Yes. 44OH versus Effie and Alley Cat. Um, it was just really, it's really cool to see. Um, I don't know. There's been some talk about intergender wrestling, like Lance paid or Lance. Lance Storm. Lance Storm. So Lance Storm was on Twitter and was like, in light of speaking out, I think we should cancel intergender matches. Like, it's not cool for people to be pressured into intergender matches, which I absolutely agree with. But he basically was like, there shouldn't be intergender matches. And Kylie Ray was like, oh, okay. So like, even though I've like trained like the hardest and like done all this stuff, you're telling me I absolutely cannot have some of these dream matches because like it makes you uncomfortable. And I think it's very, it's very dumb. I assume everyone on the GCW roster is super cool with it. And it was really seeing really cool seeing someone as lovable as Alley Cat like getting beaten up by someone as despicable as like 44OH and Ricky Shane Page. And then powering back up and like making a comeback with Heffy. Uh, yeah. And, and, and on the intergender tip too. Yeah. Like just, we just mentioned like Kylie, Kylie Ray's match uh, with Cole Raderick too. It, it never felt, I don't know. Yeah. It's like if the people in the match want to be in that match, then let them have that match. It actually had me feeling like what would have happened if AEW started and booked their women's division, like a GCW books, uh, like Alley Cat and now Kylie Ray, where like if Hikaru Shida was going and Riho and Nyla and Britt Baker were all just kind of mixed into matches and feuds, uh, with the, that would actually be super 
friggin' cool. Like Sheeta versus Cody for the TNT title. Yeah, like if that that would, and then they did this deadly draw thing in the background and kind of developed the other people, and then slowly built to uh, a fully formed women's division. But uh, yeah, I, I I think that the, that GCW matches definitely prove the argument for why they can and should happen. Uh, the other the other two notable matches that happened on this card were Dickinson versus AJ Gray, which to me felt almost like a Vader versus Bam Bam Bigelow New Japan match, where it's like slow plotting with big moments and D- Chris Dickinson's so agile and you know just come comes in hard on AJ Gray AJ Gray brings it right back to him and you know yeah it's two titans ripping each other apart that that match I absolutely loved and I know while we were watching it I fell asleep so I had to go back and rewatch it uh, <laughs> that's but, yeah you stopped texting me back on the G chat and I was like what's yeah. going on um, my favorite match of the night was the main event, Joey Janela versus ACH. That was a great um, main event. Yeah. ACH is just, is so huge. Um, mm-hmm. and Joey Janela, their style clash was awesome. <laughs> style. <stuff. laughs> yeah, man, that match, like I imagine like, cause towards the end of that match, they start coming to blows. Like they're both on their knees, trading blows back and forth. The, that that match to me felt like a it felt like a championship title match like so sick really good uh just a lot of great spots throughout that entire match and now while ACH was the uh DDT Iron Man heavy metalweight champion until it was taken by it's in its like thousandth incarnation or something like that did you know that? I didn't realize no, that. I had no I, idea. Yeah. yeah, it's like Joey Janela was the 1,486th champion. Uh, then he dropped it to ACH. ACH dropped it to somebody in the locker room. And then that person <laughs> dropped it to Tony Deppin at a gas station. Then Tony so Deppin dropped it to... you're telling me this is to... like the good 24-7 title is what you're yes. telling me. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk too much about um, NJPW Summer Struggle. Uh, you had me watch the ending of the Okada. Dude, yeah, Yano what did you think? Team. What, that Yano low blowed to Dick Togo or whatever? Is Yano low blowed Gator. That's you had me watch, right? Yeah. It was great. It was fucking amazing. It changed my life. You didn't like it? <laughs> I, You know, like Yano, like I just thought it was funny. I was like, I literally wrote down LOL. John had me watch Yano save Okada with the low blow. That's just what I wrote. Whatever, man. You, you uh, like... <laughs> what? 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 What am I missing? Um, I don't like. Just to me, that moment is like why I like when they do no DQ stuff because it causes like when they actually start incorporating the factions. Then that way, it's cool. Like. Chaos now is the first faction that was smart enough to prepare for Bullet Club. Honestly, like the suspension of disbelief that it requires me to watch that like Naito or sorry, the um Takahashi Naito match and have everyone of Bullet Club coming out and fucking them up and nobody from Los Ingobernables helping out. Like the idea yeah. that you're like, oh, they were the first ones that were smart enough. I'm like, that's the dumbest <laughs> thing i've ever heard the why is no one smart enough to realize that they're going to interfere in every single match because they do i just love the visual of yano and uh okada at the end like smiling with each other and like 
I don't know, like that match too. How do you not love the team up of Sho and Okada as a tag team? Well, you like, you literally just told me just to watch the ending, so I didn't see the match. And then prior to that, uh, there was quite a few. This match, this, overall, like I feel like was a really strong. Like I, last week, we were saying like, a lot of these shows have felt like the same mix of a bunch of different people, and definitely the beginning of the card felt that way. But I feel like there was way more. There was a lot more standout moments throughout it. Uh, like Gabriel Kidd's calling out Ishii for a singles match. In the second match, Cold Skull Sonata and Shingo are now a tag team, and they rip it up, do a lot of cool double team moves. There's a massive 10-man tag with Suzuki-Goon, Tanahashi, and Ibushi, uh, and their crew, and that match was really great, uh, just in terms of uh, you know different interactions between people. It's being sold that like uh, Dangerous Techers, ZSJ, and... Uh, Lord Taichi do not want to defend their titles against Ibushi and Tanahashi again because they feel like they'll lose. Uh, they've said they've gone on record saying that. Um, so who knows who's going to challenge them next? Maybe Okada and Sho are going to be the next challengers for the tag uh, belts. Oh, that would be cool. Uh, yeah, I just think booking them that way is great. It's That's really a good weird way to use Okada right now. Yeah, simultaneously, kind of getting to the uh, Okada Sho Gato Yujiro match. I feel like we've seen enough of Gato versus Okada, right? Like this whole... Dear God, yes. Like, I thought it was going to be just the one and done on the New Japan Cup. Yeah. But, like, it's gone on too long. Your your boy David Lynch, it's like if you were watching Twin Peaks and, like, there was no more Cooper and it was just, like, lots of scenes with... uh... With the guy who talks like this, I'm David Lynch. I'm in my own TV show. Actually, that's pretty much the return. <laughs> that's exactly what happens. There so you Gato go. Is David Lynch Pro- right, proving well. my comparison even more? Then uh, Naito and Ibushi face off against the Evil and Ishimori. I gotta say, man, like this match. You didn't? Did you watch this match? I did actually. Even though you you didn't tell me to, because I just basically wanted to see if Evil would be strong, or if he, and he would wasn't. Be... Um. It wasn't as bad as the other matches, though. Every like, time he gets the upper hand, dude, he Dick Togo or Ishimori have to interfere first. Okay, you're There's right. never been a time... I think you could go back... I don't know this, obviously, for 100% certainty, but I think anyone could go back in time and look through the different evil matches that have happened in the last month. I don't think there's been a time where he's gained the upper hand without the help of something illegal or someone outside of the ring. And in this match specifically, all this match did, Naito and Bushi versus Evil and Ishimori, is remind me how much I love Naito and how much better off the championships would be if they were in Naito's hands. There are moments They're where they're probably match- going to drop it back to him. Like it's probably going to be a Jay White type scenario. Just gets it for a little bit, establishes himself, and then. I hope so, because that's what's coming at the end of the Summer Struggle match. It this the events is uh, Naito versus Evil. Okay, uh, yeah. Hopefully that'll at least be a banger, because, yeah, Evil's not booked very strong. I thought this match was fine. Yeah, you liked it quite a bit more than I did. Uh, no, we, we, we gave it a C overall. It's not not essential. The main event, Suzuki versus Nagata in a rematch of their first round New Japan Cup match, which probably stood as our favorite New Japan Cup match overall. I think so. Yeah, that yeah. Th- between that and uh, a couple of standout ones with th- that and Ishii and Makabe are the two that come to my mind right now. Yes. Yeah. Incredible call from Kevin Kelly at the beginning as Suzuki's coming in, talking of Suzuki. He has a dark heart, a black soul, 
He's a torturer. He's a mercenary. He's a sadist. <laughs> I love that call. Yeah. Fucking loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved it. Um, honestly, like I, I can't demonstrably think about how this match was different than their other match. It seems no, neither can I. It seems similar. Pretty similar. But I'll tell you, 30 minutes of staring, no thanks. I'll take 30 minutes of slapping. Uh, and that's what this match was. Uh, as Kevin Kelly said, the heavy lumber was being brought out early. Huge strikes, forearms, kicks. Basically, ha-ha versus ha-ha. <laughs> of just them, like, yelling and slapping each other. Big boot war. Suzuki's put in his place early. You know, you know, it's funny that you say ring. that because imagine how good this match would be if that kick from Suzuki clo- at, that started the match clocked in at 30 minutes exactly. And it was just <laughs> staring up until this. Wow. You know what I don't like, John? What? Fantasy booking. <laughs> um, B plus A minus for me. Like I, I thought it was an excellent match. Um, Maybe Same. not as yeah. good as their other one, but but really good. It's but I think a hard it. comparison too, just in terms of uh, the first one was a surprise. Like we yes. didn't know what we were gonna get, so it's yes. like wow, that was fucking awesome. And I think we'd feel the same way about this if this was the first one. It's like a part of a series. Nagata won the New Japan Cup match. Excuse me, powering through a burp again. Uh, Nagata won the New Japan Cup match. Suzuki wins the. Uh, summer struggle match so maybe we'll get a, a third match between them at the big outside show at the end of summer struggle maybe that happens maybe not it's just amazing that we we, we can criticize wwe <clears throat> a lot for using you know stars from the past and stuff like that and they can book this summer struggle which is these two 50 year old dudes and it absolutely feels like it deserves to be a main event and you know you don't it, even think twice awesome. about it. I actually no. was thinking it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because I was thinking the same thing. Like, why is this different? It's like because well, like Okada's in a tag match with Sho and Gato and Yujiro. Well, and I know like it's. I think it's maybe is it different because well, number one, they have a lot of different events. Like, there's a lot of different summer struggles, and they've been putting on a lot of different events. So I I don't think it's kind of. I, don't I guess it's, it's not Minoru Suzuki and Nagata main eventing Dominion. Yeah, exactly. That's number one. Number two is, um, you know, we talked about someone like Dolph Ziggler showing up a lot in like sort of the main event scene. They never pushed him ever. Like he never became the champion. So when you have someone like Tanahashi, who's been around for a while, he was the champion. He's like a Shawn Michaels. He's ascended to the top. So you have a lot of those guys like Okada, Tanahashi. These are like the best ever. These are like your Kurt Angles, you know, your, so it's just. It feels, it feels a little bit different. Whereas um, Suzuki and Nagata are in a different position. They're like, they're like the elder statesman dad wrestlers who can still go like super hard. I can't think of any equivalents in like WWE. Yeah. That have simultaneous, that simultaneously can still go hard and are like legendary, legendary in terms of like the historical context of who they are and what they've contributed to the world of wrestling. Yeah. And are so tough. Like, Oh my God, these guys take so many chops. And at one point, like just these huge slaps are being exchanged and Suzuki just turns to the crowd, sticks out his tongue and just smiles. I love that. Yeah. Iconic man. He's a fucking legend. 
I want to talk about another classic New Japan matchup, which is Atsushi Onita versus Masahiro Chono in a no-roped, explosive barbed wire death match at Strong Style Symphony 1999. This was John's classic match suggestion from last week. It starts with a snarling Onita strutting down the ramp in a leather jacket with a chair in one hand and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, the crowd pelting him with garbage. He stops near the end of the ramp and places the chair, sitting down and lights the cigarette. Onita is in his element, offering a middle finger to all 60,000 in attendance. He stands up, pours a beer over his head, and smirks, continuing to the ring still smoking his cigarette. He enters a squared circle which is wrapped in barbed wire with alarms and flashing lights on each turnbuckle. Something fucked up is going to happen tonight. Suddenly, something between a Hummer and a hearse is seen driving through the Tokyo Dome. In it, Masahiro Chono dismounts clad in leather pants and a sleeveless leather jacket with sunglasses and a huge cigar in his mouth as if to one-up the cigarette of Onita. If Onita looks like an old-school bad boy, Chono looks like a futuristic space biker. Onita removes his leather jacket to reveal a tank top, looking like Dean Ambrose as they circle each other in the ring. Chono tries to throw Onita into the ropes, who reverses, but Chono manages to slide under at the last moment. They spend a lot of the beginning of this match being very wary of touching the explosive ropes. A huge powerbomb from Onita, but Chono powers out at two. Soon, Chono throws a folding chair at Onita, who manages to duck. It flies into the corner and ignites a huge explosion, causing smoke to pour into the ring. Onita starts working over Chono with a chair. Stiff strikes back and forth from the two men, and then Onita throws Chono into the middle of the ropes, causing another huge explosion of sparks and smoke. Onita is in control. He goes for the sharpshooter, but can't quite lock it in, until Chono grabs his leg, pulls him down to the mat for a figure four. Still, Onita is up first, Chono dealing with his damaged head and neck from the explosion. Onita serves him some stiff kicks and punches as Chono inches towards the electrified barbed wire ropes. Onita goes for a running start before Chono moves out of the way at the last moment, causing Onita's bare arms and tank top clad chest into the sparks and heat of the explosive barbed wire. This leaves Onita with a nasty gash for the rest of the match. Chono pushes a fallen Onita with punches to the head, but Onita counters with a low blow. Onita is up until Chono hits him with a low blow of his own. They're both down, dealing with the broken bodies. Onita grabs a chair and throws it at Chono's head and puts him down with a powerbob pinning combination for a two count. Soon Chono's back up and doing his best to get Onito into the deadly ropes. He kicks and pushes him and eventually manages to get both Onita and the ref into the throes of the barbed wire. They all reel from the power of the explosion that follows, the three of them falling to the mat, destroyed. Soon, a secondary referee, also clad in goggles, runs in and tries to relieve his fallen comrade. In that scuffle, Chono gets the visible pinfall on Onita. Soon, Chono is back up with a huge big boot that flattens Onita. Chono hits a backdrop on Onita, who manages to hang on and trap him into a headlock reversal. They're both back up, and Onita, still in control of Chono's head, runs them both headlong into the explosive ropes, leading to another roar of sparks. Chono is immediately down, 
but Onita remained suspended on the ropes, completely enveloped in smoke, looking like some sort of wrestling demon. They are both down for the count, with the ref declaring the match over after 10 motionless seconds. Before these two battered warriors left their bloody stage, Chono takes Onita's jacket and drapes it around his shoulders in a show of respect. Onita walks to the back, his jacket hanging over one of his shoulders. Without the earlier swagger, he is beaten, bloody, and humbled, but not defeated. Such a sick match, right? Fucking awesome, man. Fucking awesome. I love these matches with visuals that you just will never forget. One of the ones you had described, who had suggested to me, uh, Okada versus Suzuki in the rain. Mm, yes. That they, that they couldn't have expected. This was all theatrical uh, spectacle and swagger. Like it doesn't. That's why I thought you would like. That's why I thought you would like it. Yeah, that's Absolutely. a good description of why it's why it's good. Also. Absolutely, it's not a five star classic inside the rings. Yeah, but no. As a but as a match as a presentation, it's an A. It's a, absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, it's for sure. Absolutely. Um, John, I'm gonna maybe recommend something to you. I don't want to know it, and it better not be a Dolph Ziggler match. So you have been dreading because I told you you you. Every time you tell me someone you don't like, and you did it again this episode, by the way. Yeah, I probably should walk that back a little bit. I do care about. <laughs> <laughs> I lo- I love Rey Mysterio, but I just on it like I guess. I very briefly. This the show's super long, but uh, I feel yes, like some somehow the oversaturation of Rey Mysterio in WWE, and because it's in WWE, I don't care. Like when yeah. he made an appearance at the first All In. That was very exciting, and I remember being like, "Oh my God, Rey Mysterio is going to wrestle at uh, All In." And then same thing when he was in New Japan for a little bit. But I just think I don't know his oversaturation in WWE somehow has made me not care about him uh, at the current moment in my life. Uh, sorry to those of you listening that are Rey Mysterio super fans. And we've watched several amazing Rey Mysterio matches in our WCW Supercard and stuff, and we love we love Rey absolutely. Mysterio. What's my classic match, Mark? Your classic match, just when you think I'm going to Ziggler. I Zaggler. This is not a Dolph Ziggler match. Thank God. However, it is a WWE match. Oh, well, that's fine. There was a wrestler in the period of 2013 and 2014 who had a series of great matches. Mm -hmm. Only a few of them I had seen, but yesterday I actually spent some time and watched a bunch of them. Uh, And they're really, really good. Um, the match that you were going to be watching, CM Punk oh. versus Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam 2013. I've never and seen this match. No disqualification match. Actually, I don't know if I've ever seen a CM Punk match. Have we watched a CM Punk match together? We have not. So, so I don't think I have. The, the most obvious match for me to refer you to is uh john cena versus cm punk at money in the bank 2011 Mm -hmm. uh which if i don't think you've seen it i expect you to watch this sometime on your own time because it is an absolute melter give it five stars it's a great match the other match i almost recommend to you was cm punk versus the undertaker at wrestlemania 29 which was the most realistic it looked like he was going to lose his his streak yes. and, the, and, and even, i think i remember reading a lot of people saying that's when he should have lost his he should streak. have and there was even a perfect moment for it where cm punk hits him with paul bearer's ashes Whoa. in an urn right after paul bearer actually died and it was like the perfect moment and undertaker kicks out and you can just like 
Ugh, it's just the it's just the worst. They absolutely should have given it to Punk. Um, but even though that match has the coolest fucking entrance, it I have been listening to CM Punk's theme all morning. That's what I've been rocking out to. <laughs> That's what you were getting amped up to when That's I was getting amped Zoom. up to. Yeah. yeah. And they do a live performance in uh, Living Color, do a live performance of it at WrestleMania. And I was like, this is so sick. This is going to be the match. And then I watched Brock Lesnar versus CM Punk. Mm-hmm. And it was just so awesome. And I think it's the exact kind of match that, that you will enjoy. Well, I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, I, I honestly don't think that I have seen... Don't, you know, the only CM Punk matches that I've seen are his MMA fights or fight, whatever. Right. Like I watched GIFs of those, which, yeah. you know, MMA fights are short and that one was comically short so uh it'll be uh i'm it'll be interesting to see a performer who is such a big part of wrestling history means so much to a lot of wrestling fans uh that i actually don't really have any familiarity with at all yeah i i wanted to understand what the hype was about Mm -hmm. Uh, i had only seen the john cena match i assumed he had other great matches i started doing some research watched several matches yesterday and yeah He's not the great, absolute greatest wrestler ever, but at that moment, like he, I'm sure he had a claim to be, you know, the greatest. One in the of the best. Yeah. yeah. Sick. And, uh, I can't, I can't wait for you to watch it, man. I think you're going to love it. Thanks for the wreck. Uh, Honest, dude. Honestly, honestly, I just wanted to say we started this podcast cause we love wrestling. I want this podcast to be a thing. Like I said before, that helps people get into wrestling and also that helps us get into wrestling that we didn't even think that we would care about. Like you specifically yeah, were like, don't recommend me a CM Punk match before. And that's why I waited a couple of weeks and then I recommended it to you. And I think you're going to watch it and go, man, CM Punk's awesome. And it's just going to make you same way that you appreciate Ric Flair in a way you didn't before. Maybe Shawn Michaels too. Hopefully it'll help you appreciate CM Punk. And even if he's not your favorite wrestler, at least like you said, you will get a historical understanding of who this wrestler is and why he was so important. Yeah, I love that that's what this match, uh, that the classic match segment we've done at the end of every episode has turned into. Because the way it works kind of now is like, since both of us have watched so much wrestling daily, we both know, we both can make a super card for each other of matches neither of us have seen, and we know we would uh, appreciate it. Like, the way my mentality for picking them for you is I know that you will like the big theatrical visuals. And so that's why a lot of the matches I've recommended to you, and you haven't seen a lot of like historical Japan matches. Similarly, yeah, you, for you've me, you've done an amazing job. Like I haven't seen Onita or Chono, and I now I know those two characters. I feel like, which is so cool. Yeah, I, when someone says Masahiro so awesome. Chono, I know who that is. Sorry, continue. And as you mentioned, Chono is someone that Meltzer references quite a bit. And yes, yeah, Onita is just one of the coolest characters in wrestling history. So you, uh, you were going to talk about your blind spot, maybe. Oh, and I think it's interesting that you found my blind spot, which is <laughs> that it's a lot of like two like two thousand four to two thousand fifteen like pretty much any type of like wrestling wrestling that well, wasn't yeah, like a a lot of WWE in that time and a lot of Ring of Honor as well. Yeah, like all of that basically slept on. So yeah, thank you thanks for the sick recommendations. We hope everybody listening, you know, if you're not follow, if you're not following along and uh, watching as we watch, you definitely could go back and just look at the episode notes and make your own super card based off of this is episode twelve. So at this point, we've watched twelve classic matches and totally, absolutely. Yeah. And I hope I, I hope everyone will check out John's uh, playlist, and I hope that it, it will be on the torture wrecked. Yeah, we can migrate YouTube. the haunted Francis Omakasa onslaught to that. Uh, I'd be more than happy to do the legwork on that. Lastly. Are you ready to watch over 30 wrestling events 
in one month. We do it for you, listeners. <laughs> we watch one. The G1 climax is coming, listener. everyone. So uh, we're all, if everyone's watching along with us, we're about to watch one New Japan show a day for like a month in September. So there's going to be that. There's going to be SummerSlam. There's going to be payback a month after, a week more after. More GCW SummerSlam. shows, Black more. Label Pro, all of the AEW shows. Can't wait. A lot of wrestling coming down the pipeline, brother. This has been another episode of the Torture Rack Podcast. You can follow John F. Malta at John F. Malta on all social media. You can follow me, Mark Basque, at Waste of Taste on Instagram. Hit me up if you're in the Toronto region. You can follow us at Torture Rats on Instagram, on YouTube, on our website, on Patreon. Who can stop the path of Torture Rats? <laughs> Oh, I love the look on your face at the end of that where you're like, <laughs> I don't know how to end this. <laughs> oh, this is great. I love you just like going on a fucking rant about how much you hate dreams. Just in the, middle of my, the thing I've literally been excited to talk about all week. I was trying to think. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think it's just like. No, it's. I literally think it's great. Like I, 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 think it's I was trying to think of how I could make it interesting. And it was my actual reaction to it. I was trying to figure out how to make what you had created interesting. And that's the bottom line. What? Because Stone Cold said so.